what a lot of people don't understand is that Jesus wants you to be great. Jesus wants you to be great. Jesus wants you to be great. Sometimes we've got this thing where if we desire greatness, we think we're being proud or we're being arrogant. But do you remember how Jesus gave his disciples keys for greatness? And he says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must first be the servant. Okay? If, if he was against your greatness in his kingdom, he wouldn't give you keys for greatness. All right? So we're going to be talking about kingdom greatness. Those who become great in God's kingdom, what do they do differently? The people who become great in the kingdom of God, what do they do differently? And some of you don't like the topic that I'm going to be covering today, but I'm going to cover it anyway because I believe that it actually is one of the keys to growing in the kingdom and unlocking the greatness that is already in us. And so the title of my message this morning is The Power of Fasting. The Power of what? Fasting. The Power of Fasting. And you see, I know that I'm speaking to different categories of people here because some of you grew up fasting. Some of you grew up fasting. You know, a lot of people who are strong when it comes to fasting, they'll say, my grandmother used to fast and she would force all of us to fast. So fasting comes easily, right? And then some of you are those people who are on that extreme where fasting is this formula for everything. You know those people, right? Your marriage isn't doing great, so it's like fast your way to a better marriage. No, Paul, you don't have to read books. No, 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 no. You don't have to go to marriage seminars. Just fast your way to a better marriage. <laughs> you know those people where fasting is the answer to everything. And that's, that's a bit of an extreme, isn't it? Right? Let me say something about fasting. Fasting acts as a catalyst when it comes to other spiritual disciplines. I'll talk about that a bit later. All right? So, for example, if you're reading the word while you are fasting, you find yourself getting more revelation. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay? If you're going to a prayer meeting and you're praying while you're also fasting, how many of you know that your prayers become more effective? You know what I'm talking about? If you are giving in faith, but you're fasting at the same time, the fasting augments the power of the giving. Is everyone following? All right? And I want to share with you some of these things. There's another category of person. These are those who believe that fasting is good. They've seen it theologically. They've seen it in the word of God, but they find it so, so difficult. And it's just one of those things. In fact, sometimes they actually get angry with God. Lord, why did you put this thing in the Bible? I enjoy my food so much. Lord, why can't you? I've been there before. Why can't you just have prayer? Surely my prayers are powerful while I pray with a full stomach. Surely it's fine. How many of you can identify with me there? All right? There are some people who think it's a mystery. They think fasting is this mystery that they'll never understand, so they must just ignore it. You know those things where it's kind of like this thing in the Old Testament. It's not really New Testament type stuff, and let's just ignore it, and let's just hope God doesn't really mind. I want to share with you something. There are certain physical things that have a spiritual impact. They seem like mysteries. We tend to ignore them because they, they don't fit into our understanding of modern day Christianity. But it's actions in the physical that have an impact in the spirit realm. I'll give you an example. Communion is one of those things. 
How many of you sometimes feel like, why do we have to have communion all the time? Like, why did Jesus say that? It seems so symbolic. It belongs to traditional churches. Surely I can just say, Jesus, I remember that you died for me. Why do I have to do that ritual? But you know that many people get healed while they're taking communion. Baptism is another one, isn't it? And there are going to be some more people getting baptized, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Baptism is another one. Sometimes we say to ourselves, can't we just accept Jesus and then it's done? Do we really need to do the whole thing of looking for a swimming pool and then getting into some interesting garb and then everyone kind of, you know, sees you, checks you out and so on? You know, some of you don't like water. I mean, in cold water, right? <laughs> now, I'm not saying you don't shower. I'm talking about cold water, like swimming pool water. Right? If you look in scripture, do you remember the time when there was a battle and Joshua was fighting the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17? And it says that Aaron and her, a guy called her, not, it's not, we're talking about, not talking about a lady, H U R, right? Aaron and her had to hold up Moses' hands. And keep them up. And when Moses' hands were raised up, what happened? And this was up on a hill, by the way. When Moses' hands were raised up, what happened? Joshua would smite the Amalekites. And then when he got tired, when Moses would get tired and his hands started going down, and then Joshua started being overcome by the Amalekites. Amalekites. So Aaron and her had to do that. Doesn't make sense, does it? Surely they could have just prayed and just said, Lord, come on, let there be breakthrough. But somehow there was this thing that almost seemed symbolic and it had an impact in the spirit realm. Ladies and gentlemen, fasting is a bit like that. God has put it in his system and it's there in the word of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And we're in a season where we need to pray that there's the grace to be able to fast more because there's power in fasting. Can I hear an Amen. And I believe that we're in that season. And I'm not about to proclaim a church fast. We'll do that probably in about March. But many of you in this room, you, tend, you fast during this January period. Some of you have already finished your fast. Some of you are about to go into them. And I want us as a people, as individuals, to fast with understanding. Is that fine? Is that okay? All right? So <clears throat> my definition of fasting, fasting is a system in the kingdom primarily involving abstaining from food. It is primarily designed to help believers to connect with God and disconnect from the flesh. It's a system in the kingdom primarily involving abstaining from food. So if you look at both the Hebrew and the Greek word for fast, it means the closing of the mouth. So fasting equals not eating solid food. Are we, are we fine with that? So some people will say, yeah, I'm fasting TV this month. Don't call it fasting. Just say I'm abstaining from TV. Amen? And when it comes to fasting, when you're not taking in food, you can then say, while I'm fasting, I'm also abstaining from certain things. There are a number of things you can abstain from while you are fasting. Amen? You can say, I'm abstaining from watching TV. I'm abstaining from going out to the movies. I'm abstaining from, and then you fill in the blanks. There are other things people tend to abstain from. But don't come to me and say, I'm abstaining from X, if it's something you're not supposed to be doing anyway. So if you're a single person, don't say, Pastor, yes, during fasting, I'm abstaining from sex, when you're not supposed to be 
engaging in, that, in those activities. Are you hearing me? All right? Sometimes people will say, I'm fasting from this, and you sort of think to yourself, but that's something you shouldn't be doing anyway. Amen? So fasting means the closing of the mouth. And I'm going to unpack it and show you the different types of fasts. So throughout this, I'm going to talk to you about the biblical basis for fasting. I'm going to talk to you about the spiritual benefits of fasting. I'm going to explain to you how to fast. I'm going to talk about the physical benefits hey, of fasting. I know some of you want to hear those. And I've prayed this morning that, Lord, even with the physical benefits, can you just hook people in? Just, you know, because of those physical benefits, all right? And then I'm going to give you some guidelines when it comes to fasting. This is so important because there's a lot of fasting that happens on the African continent, but a lot of times we're not doing it according to the Word of God, and we're doing it with wrong motives. Amen? Amen. Now, sometimes when people get into this thing called fasting, they become legalistic. They, they become legalistic. It's important to understand that my fasting is tiny compared to the reward it brings. My fasting is tiny compared to the re reward that it brings. If I say to you, I want to give you a million dollars. If I say, Lerato, I want to give you a million dollars. But listen, here's the catch. I'm going to Mozambique and I will be in Mozambique for a week. And that's where the cash is. So you have to make your way to Mozambique and I can only give it to you there. Is Lerato going to say, yo, this is work? Is she going to say, yo, this is work, I have to go all the way to Mozambique? She's not going to say that. So when you are fasting, it's not a work. Amen? Because the benefit and the reward and the breakthrough is so much bigger than your, abst your abstinence from food. Is everyone following? You know, many times people will say, Paul, don't preach on fasting. Don't talk about fasting. Don't talk about fasting as being a key to breakthrough. Otherwise, people will get a works mentality. No. Because fasting is unlocking that door into a dimension that we wouldn't have experienced without the fasting. Is everyone following? Okay. And I want to explain to you what's going on here. So don't boast about it. Don't boast about your fasting. Don't say, my breakthrough is because of my fasting. No. Your breakthrough is because of God's grace and God hasn't changed his mind about wanting to bless you. You needed to fast so that whatever thing was hindering, the blessing is broken. Amen? Amen. Fasting is for our own benefit, ladies and gentlemen. It's not for God. Let me say something about God, our Father. You can't manipulate him. You can't manipulate God. You can manipulate people, but you can't manipulate God. In other words, when we come before him and we're fasting, don't see fasting as, oh, you know what, I'm twisting his arm so he does me a favor. He already wants to do wonderful things, but he's waiting for us to humble ourselves before him. Amen? If you look throughout the Old Testament, the, they use the term interchangeably. It's used the, interchangeably. The, the word to humble yourself before the Lord and the word to come to the Lord and in a fast. Very often you see the two things being used, the two words. And I'm going to go and I'm going to unpack some of those scriptures for you. Okay? You know, fasting happens and I believe that it's a spiritual law. It's a bit like giving. You know, we talk about sowing and reaping. There's power in fasting. And I believe that's the reason why people in the kingdom of darkness and in false religions also do it. Amen? That's why people in false religions also do it. They fast. Because there's an impact, or th th there's a connection between what happens in the physical and what happens in the spirit realm. 
So they're busy fasting and more demons are manifesting. Amen? Amen. Accidents happening in various places. That's why whenever you hear of some of these other religions doing all sorts of fasts and so on, it's so important that as Christians we are praying and we are, we are binding some of these works. Amen? We're saying, no, we refuse to have this happen in our region. We refuse it. Okay? Because very often what they're actually doing is they, they don't realize it. You know, with false religions, people are just thinking like we're worshiping God, but they're worshiping demons. Amen? All right? And more of that demonic occultic power is released as they fast. So these are spiritual laws, just like the law of sowing and reaping, right? I mean, if you know that angels are attracted to certain things. Angels are attracted to fasting. That's just one of the things. I'll show you just now in scripture, very often when the people came before God and began to fast, you saw some angelic activity taking place. Do you remember when Jesus was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness? It says afterwards that angels came, it says he, then he was hungry. I'm sure he was feeling hungry already, like by day something, something, right? But it says, and after that, Jesus was then hungry, and then the angels came and ministered to him. Look at Daniel when he does what we call the Daniel fast for 21 days. And what does the angel say? It says, the angel says to him, from the day you humbled yourself. When Daniel tells the story, he says, you know what? I went on a fast. The angel sees it as, from the day you humbled yourself, your prayers were heard. Amen? Okay? The angels are attracted to our fasting. Angels are attracted to extended worship. That's why very often there's, there's angelic visitation when we're in times of things like ignite. Extended times like that. Angels are attracted to the prophetic. The Bible tells us that angels are there for the bidding of the word of the Lord. Very often the word of the Lord is released when we prophesy, when we make prophetic decrees and declarations. And then what happens? Angels begin to move around, move around, move around, doing what we have prophesied. Is everyone following? All right? So we're going to keep going deeper into these things. So it happens in different religions, but our motivation is different. It's not legalism although you can fast legalistically. Something we have to be so careful of is when you are fasting, don't begin to pray from a place of pride. The word says that no flesh will boast in my presence. When the glory of God is so strong, I'm telling you, you, you just literally have to realize, you know, woe is me, Lord. Amen. Sometimes what we do is we do these spiritual disciplines and then we go before God demanding things, saying, Lord, I fasted. Lord, I did this. Lord, I did this for this many days. God is not impressed. People around you might be impressed. God is not impressed. Amen? Because what he does for you and me is way bigger than anything we can do. I'm hoping you're catching this this morning. I like what... Dr. Elmer Towns, the great theologian and author, said, says, fasting is not an end in itself. It is a means by which we can worship the Lord and submit ourselves in humility to him. We don't make God love us any more than he already does if we fast or if we fast longer. As Galatians states, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So the goal of any discipline, he says, is freedom. Isn't that powerful? The goal of any discipline is freedom. If the result is not greater freedom, 
then something is wrong. Christian fasting, therefore, is totally antithetical. It's the antithesis of Hindu fasting. Both seek results. However, Hindu fasting focuses on the self and tries to get something for a perceived sacrifice. Christian fasting focuses on God. The results are spiritual results that glorify God, both in the person who fasts and others for whom we fast and pray. Isn't that powerful? Andrew Murray, the great missionary, all know Andrew Murray, who came to South Africa, right? He said, prayer needs fasting for its full and perfect development, isn't it? So some of you are prayer warriors, but you struggle when it comes to fasting. And he says, prayer needs fasting for its full and perfect development. So I came from a background where I felt, you know what, I've, I've done extended praying, extended hours of prayer, I've done that, but I'm struggling with this fasting thing. I know it's biblical, but I don't have a revelation. I would typically only fast when there's a church fast. I would typically only fast when I really felt, okay, maybe I need to, maybe it will impress God. Maybe, you know, I'm desperate now, Lord. Maybe I'll fast and God will hear my prayers. You know what I'm talking about. You know when you're doing something and it's not really a revelation. You're doing it because it's the Christian thing to do. So I'm a researcher at heart and I said to myself, you know what? I want to research fasting so that I have my own revelation concerning it. Amen? Because all these great men of God, all these great women of God who I looked up to, they were fasters. I saw that as a pattern in their lives. So I began my studies. I studied people like Alma Towns, Miles Monroe, Dag Hayward Mills, Derek Prince, uh, Joshua Selman, Kenneth Hagen, Andrew Murray, Jensen Franklin, Charles Finney, all these great men of God, okay? I studied them, looked at their books, looked at their material, and I said, Lord, I want you to give me my personal revelation concerning this thing called fasting. And then I haven't looked back. Amen. All right, are you ready? So why do we fast? One of the reasons we fast is because Jesus expected it. Jesus expected it. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18, this is what Jesus says. He says, when you fast, now in that same passage, Jesus has just said, when you give, this is how you must give, right? We're all familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had also spoken about prayer, and he had said, when you pray, this is how you must pray. And afterwards, he then talks about fasting. When you fast, but somehow we want to put fasting into a different category. Have you noticed that? Ah, no, 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 this is a special one. It's a bonus one. It's something you just sometimes do, maybe, if you're okay with it. But we don't complain about the giving. We don't complain about the praying. Theologically, I mean. We complain about some of these things practically. Right? So when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces and they fast so that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What is their reward? What is their reward? Recognition. Right? I've, I've taught on this before, right? We've taught on this before. Recognition. The moment you want to do things so that you're recognized by people, 
God basically looks and says, okay, you've chosen what you want your reward to be. But when you say, Lord, I'm doing this and I'm doing this only for your glory, not partial glory, only for you, you experience the reward. You know what we see from this passage? You know what we see? Number one, Jesus expects us to fast. Number two, there's a reward for fasting. Amen? There's a reward for fasting. Those are two reasons there already why I want to fast. Then he goes on to say, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. But by your Father who's in secret. Now, for practical purposes, obviously you have to communicate your fasting to your family, right? <laughs> Otherwise, people will always be giving you food, offering you ice cream, offering you all sorts of things, okay? So when I was on a recent fast and so on, right, my family knew about it. And I had to go through those experiences where, you know, my wife had made some oxtail and she had slow cooked it very nicely. And I had my kids coming in front of me. I remember Daniel just saying, Mom, this meat is so soft. Look, I can just, it can just come off the bone with my tongue. Look. But you know what, kids, they're not full of, and it's right next to me. And my wife keeps saying, sorry, my love, you're fasting and this is happening. But after fasting for some time, you lose your appetite anyway. Right? I want to encourage you, those of you who've just only fasted only one day, right? I want to encourage you, go to your next level and make it more extended. Because you'll find that very often day one and day two are the most difficult, aren't they? Because you still have all those toxins in your system. You, st you have the hunger pangs. pangs. Why, does your, why does your stomach growl? Why does it go... That's to do with your brain, isn't it? Because your, st your stomach is releasing those enzymes that are going to help to digest your food. And they know what time you eat. So, and they're sending messages to the brain basically saying like, it's food time, it's food time. And then you think, I'm hungry, I need food, I desperately need food. You don't really need food. You can survive without it for quite a number of days. Amen? Amen. And after some time when everything is out of your system and all those toxins are out, it actually becomes easier. Those of you who do extended fasts, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where you actually just feel tired and weak, but... You don't necessarily feel like eating. So don't let people con you who say, like, I fasted for X number of days. Like, it's extremely difficult, and they're super, super spiritual. No, day one and day two, those first couple of days are, are difficult. But after some time, people are just tired, weary. And what you do is when you start feeling the hunger pangs, just get some water and drink it. Okay? And it settles. Amen. I'm wanting to demystify this whole fasting thing because for years I was kind of like, yo, how does someone do that? And I thought I was a special case also because of the nature of the work I do. I can't fast for extended periods because you know what? The Lord understands. I'm a trainer. I'm training people. I have to stand in front of people all day. I'm going to show you the different types of fasts you can do. Amen? Because it's also contextual, isn't it? There are times you can't fast a normal fast because you're breastfeeding. Amen? And when you're breastfeeding or when you're pregnant, if you fast a normal fast, when I talk about normal fast, I'm saying you're not eating and you're just drinking water, right? What happens? What happens in your blood? You have toxins, right? And they can go through to the breast milk, right? In your fatty, um, your fat cells, you've got toxins, go through to the blood that affects your breast milk and can affect your child. 
So that's why we have to look at partial fasts also as an option. I'm saying this because there's some people who become moms and they give up altogether any form of fasting. And in the season that they are becoming moms, they actually backslide. They're not praying and fasting anymore. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And many times people are moms when they're still fairly young in age, when they've actually got the energy to do certain types of things that they can't do when they're older. How many of you know that when you're, when you're a lot older, because of your physiology, because of the way the body just is, there's certain types of fasts you can't do that you could do when you were still younger. Amen? Maybe one or two people in the room know what I'm talking about. Okay. So it's important to understand these things. I also see in this scripture that motives are very important and they influence the outcome of our fasting. John Piper states, it seems that he expects that his followers will be fasting. But even more clear in this passage is that Jesus insisted that our fasting not be for the sake of impressing other people. In fact, we should go out of our way, he says, as much as possible, washing our face, combing our hair to keep other people from knowing that we are fasting. And that gives fasting for Christians a radically Godward focus. Amen. It says, let me summarize the heart of Christian fasting and why Christians do it. One way to say it is that fasting is the hungry Christian handmaid of faith. Fasting is not a replacement for faith in Jesus. Fasting is a way of saying with our stomach, and our whole body, how much we need and want and trust Jesus. It is a way of saying that we are not going to be enslaved by food as the source of our satisfaction. We will use the renunciation of food from time to time to express that Jesus is better than food. Jesus is more needful than food. Say to the person next to you, Jesus is better than food. For some of you, that's where your deliverance is, right there. Just there. Say it again with passion. Jesus is better than food. There's some foodies over here, and some of them are struggling to declare that. Amen. Okay? So does, is everyone following? So when you are fasting, you are basically saying, Lord, you know what? I humble myself before you. I've come to the end of myself. I'm choosing to disconnect from fleshly things right, from fleshly appetites so that I can connect fully with you, amen, and I'm going to do that for a period of time and then watch this space, amen, okay, in Isaiah 58, I'm going to read from verse 5 to 9, we're talking about the biblical basis for fasting, it shows us the reward of a true fast, and it shows us that it's so important to mix your fasting with a biblical lifestyle. So there's no point in saying I'm going on a fast, yet you, the, the pattern of your lifestyle never changes. In fact, one of the purposes of fasting sometimes is to actually break bondages over yourself. Amen? You cannot fast without repentance. Very often if you look in scripture, fasting came with repentance. As you go on a fast, make sure that one of your disciplines is to always say, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way within me. Because you see, when you look in Isaiah, God is basically showing that, guys, there's no point in going on a fast, but you don't want to change your lifestyle. Amen? 
Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Can you see that connection? Fasting and humbling yourself. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away your flesh from your own, uh, turn from your own flesh and blood? Then your light, this is the reward of fasting, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and what will happen? And the Lord will answer. That shows me the link between a true fast and God responding. Amen. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. I want to encourage you this morning, don't be a person who fasts but is not willing to change lifestyle. Is everyone following? It's so important. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. It shows us that Paul had a lifestyle of fasting. He says, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. For the sake of the kingdom. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. You know, I look at this and I wonder, why does he separate the two statements? Why does he talk about how he's known hunger and thirst? And then he also says, and I've often gone without food. In the King James, it's interesting. It says, in weariness and in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Can you see that? And some people believe that he makes this distinction because one of them is by choice. I mean, if you know that you can go hungry by choice, and that's when you are fasting. But there are other times you go hungry by default because you're in a meeting and so you skipped lunch. You know what I'm talking about? Don't then say like, Lord, you know what? Can I back pay? Can I back pay? Lord, that was a fast actually. Come on, I've been there before, right? You know what I'm talking about? Ah, whoa. The whole day has gone by and I've forgotten to eat. I know my wife keeps reminding me, you must remember to eat. I've forgotten to eat. Lord, can't that count as a fast? No, it was by default. It wasn't by choice. Amen? Throughout the Old Testament, fasting was a sign of humbling yourself before God. In Psalm 35, verse 13 to 14, it says, Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with, and humbled myself with, and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though for my friend or brother. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, many of us are familiar with this scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, please understand that when that Old Testament person is speaking about prayer and in that context also talks about humble yourself before the Lord, a lot of times they were talking about prayer and fasting. All right? A lot of the times. Grace is released when we humble ourselves. The Bible tells us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
Fasting is an act of humility. I'm saying, Lord, I've come to the end of myself. I'm saying, Lord, I cannot get my breakthrough based on my own intellect. Come on, some of us, we start off the year and we think, ah, this year is my year. And our very focus is what? Our mental capacity. How talented we are. How gifted we are. And God is saying, humble yourself before me and watch what I'm going to do. Watch this space. Amen? What my wife was saying, the Lord is the one who keeps us. Amen. Grace is released when we humble ourselves. What I realized is that fasting has a great impact on the effectiveness of our prayers. But it's also powerful in and of itself. Why? Because it's an act of sacrifice and humbling yourself before the Lord. Right? The Lord loves it. Before we've even opened our mouths to start making declarations and so on, when the Lord sees that we are willing to turn away from all these things, the pride of this life, the lusts of the flesh, our fleshly desires, and we say, Lord, we're going to use this time to focus on you. He loves that. He loves that. There are things that the spirit realm is attracted to. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. So, a word of caution here, because some of you are listening to this and you're like, but I've got diabetes, all right? So be careful of doing a normal fast if you have diabetes, for example, because it can actually lead to dangerous dips and spikes in your blood sugar. So figure out what type of fast do you then do if you've got a certain medical condition, amen? I'm not going to go deep into them right now, but there are fasts that you can do. There are partial fasts that you can do. There are juice fasts that you can do. Amen? And we will go into that in a while. All right? I've spoken about pregnant moms. I've spoken about nursing mothers. I want to encourage you. Involve your children in fasting. You know, a lot of times people are like, ah, this fasting thing, let's just leave out the kids. There are a lot of powerful partial fasts that I'm going to unpack just now that are great for children. Towards the end of last year as a family, I remember saying, guys, I want to do a Daniel fast. And the whole family said, we will join you in the particular Daniel fast. And you know, the Daniel fast is just basically fruits and vegetables and nothing pleasant. Okay? So no sugar, and no all those nice things. You know, some, some people go on Daniel fasts, but they make the nicest vegetarian things and the nicest smoothies and the nicest this is a, the whole idea behind a Daniel fast is it shouldn't be overly pleasant. Do you get what I'm saying? It's basic. Amen. But I remember when we did that, it also had a positive impact on the children. Amen. And a lot of people who are big fasters today, it's partly because when they were still young, yes, they're dangers in terms of, you know, your kids are still growing, so don't give them extended fasts, etc. Okay, but teach them, let them see what's going on. And I can prove this to you biblically. Do you know that there are fasts in the Bible where they'll say, bring everyone, bring all the infants, bring all the nursing mothers, bring all, literally don't leave anyone out of this particular fast. Amen? But what we say in terms of wisdom is involve them in these things so that they get the mindset. I was so proud. I just come out of a fast or towards an end, end of the end of a fast. And one of my sons was saying, yeah, on such and such a day, I want to fast. Your children catch things from you. Amen. The people around you catch things from you. It's like prayer. Prayer is more caught than taught, isn't it? We can do a lot of lessons, lesson one and prayer, lesson two. We've taught a lot on prayer. But one of the reasons we want to have that these more, more and more of these prayer meetings happening is so that prayer is caught. Amen? Sometimes with prayer leading, it's about you praying and people end up catching your heart of prayer. Amen? All right? 
So if you are chronically ill or if you have a medical condition, please seek advice from your doctor. I don't want anyone coming to me saying, yeah, I went on that such and such a number day fast because the pastor instructed us and commanded us and now look what's happened to me, okay? So you also seek advice from your doctor if you've got a special condition. What are the spiritual benefits of fasting? Spiritual benefit number one, mental and spiritual sharpness is developed. You know, there are certain people who've done so well in their exams because they've had a fasting background. One man of God was just talking about how they would just get distinction after distinction, but it was years of fasting, right? I don't know about you, but I find that when I'm fasting, I'm not just mentally sharp, but I'm also spiritually sharp. Amen? I'm also spiritually sharp. It's like all of a sudden I'm hearing more clearly from heaven, right? So fasting is for our own benefit. The second spiritual benefit, you'll notice there's an increase in supernatural activity, especially during extended fasts. All of a sudden you start seeing that, wait a minute, the visions are increasing, okay? There's more angelic activity around me. And we see this in Daniel chapter 10, and I'm going to read from verse 2 to 14. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks, okay? I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Guys, please still use lotion, hey? <laughs> Otherwise, like my kids will say, your skin is looking bash. It's looking bash. Okay? On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen. I find it interesting in scripture that a lot of these angelic visitations, a lot of these times of visions and so on, you see them seemingly connected with times of extended worship, extended prayer and fasting. Okay? With a, then he describes this particular man. Then verse 7, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and I listened to him. I fell into a deep sleep. My face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. I'm going to share with you in a few moments the link between fasting and spiritual authority. Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Imagine being highly esteemed by heaven. In heaven, where they, they, they regard you highly. They talk about you. They say, oh, that's my girl. Right? Then he says, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I've now been sent to you. I wonder at what point this angel was sent to Daniel. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I believe that at that point, he was then sent. I believe that it was during that time of the fasting that this angel was sent. Okay? To humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. 
But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. 21 days. Do you know that your fasting affects the war in the heavenlies? Do you know that your fasting and also your prayers and your declarations affect what's going on, what goes on in the spirit realm? Isn't that powerful? All right? Then Michael, one of the chief princes, in other words, a higher level angel, came and assisted this angel. Angels can help each other, by the way. Came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Amen? Amen. I think you better go, my love. My, love my, my, my wife has to go to a school function. Okay. I just did this because I knew that she was going to stand up and you guys were going to think, is she offended with what I'm saying? So I thought, let me beat her to it. Let me release her. <laughs> right? Fasting assists us when it comes to delays in prayer. If you find that your prayers are being delayed, very often they're being delayed because of war that is taking place in the spirit realm. And fasting helps to accelerate the speed when it comes to prayers being answered. Is everyone following me? All right. I'm sharing with you now mysteries in the kingdom. So that's the other benefit of fasting. Acceleration of answers to prayers. The next benefit is supernatural protection from enemies. Supernatural protection from enemies. Some of you might have heard of the Ezra fast. Have you heard of the Ezra fast? In Ezra chapter 8, verse 21 to 23, it says, There by the Ahava Canal I proclaimed a fast, so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask Him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. So before you embark on a journey, maybe going for a short fast can sometimes be quite powerful. There's protection in it. Okay, and it goes on to say, which I think is powerful. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Isn't that powerful? They didn't just pray, they also fasted. Why am I sharing this with you? I'm wanting you to see the different contexts of fasting. Amen? That it's not, it's not just the organized fast that's proclaimed where the pastor says, we're going to go on a fast now. Sometimes you have situations that require you to fast, not out of legalism, but out of humbling yourself before the Lord, saying, God, you are my source. Okay? You also see this fasting for protection. You see this in the Esther fast. In Esther chapter 4, from verse 16 to chapter 5, verse 2. Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. Now, when it comes to not drinking water, please don't go for more than three days. Okay? Three days is the maximum. And even if you do three days... You need to have heard from the Lord. Amen? You need to have heard from the Lord. And with food, don't go for more than 40 days without having eaten food. Okay? Just basic guideline. 
I know that in, I know in the Old Testament, I know that it says Moses, you know, when he was up in the mountain, it says he, he didn't eat nor drink for 40 days. I don't know how he did it. Maybe it was a supernatural fast, right? It says he didn't eat any, um, any food, didn't drink any water. So some people will say like, okay, maybe he drank other stuff, okay? I don't know how he did it. Then he goes down the mountain, then he goes up again and he does, does another one, okay? Another 40 days, all right? But general guideline in terms of your physiology, let's also look after ourselves, amen? It's not a competition, okay? It's not a competition, I know of a man of God who died, a great man of God. I read a lot of his books, wonderful guy. I've learned a lot in terms of fasting uh, from him and so on. But some years ago, he passed away. And I'm told it was whilst he was sustaining a 70-day fast. Okay? I, I don't know the nature of the fast, how he was doing it, but I mean, this guy was a stalwart, you know, the type of things he would do, right? Um, so fasting won't kill you if you do it within those guidelines. Amen. All right. Um, then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Remember that when Esther said that. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes, stood in the inner court of the king's palace, in front of the king's quarters, while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. Can you see the link between the fast and the favor? Come on. If she, if she thought, oh, the favor of God is just on me. Let me just do this radical thing and so on. We don't need to fast. Would it have happened? That's where the question is, isn't it? Would they have had the breakthrough? Maybe, maybe not. But somewhere along the line, there was a conviction she had in her heart. We need to fast. Okay? So she won favor in his sight, and he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And of course, the enemy was also destroyed in the process. I also find it interesting if you read in the book of Daniel. Do you remember the time when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? Do you remember that? Do you remember King Darius really liked Daniel? But the guys basically went up to the king and said, hey, listen, why don't you make this decree so that people focus on just worshiping you? And if anyone focuses on worshiping another god, what do we do? It was a trap for Daniel, wasn't it? Right? This guy should be killed. And remember the laws that they had. It was like the laws of the Merds and the, and the Persians, um, the, the Medes and the Persians. And basically the law there was, it was irrevocable. In other words, it was a decree and he couldn't change it. Then they reported that Daniel had been praying to another God. So the king had to stick to what he had said. And so Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and nothing happened. But there's something in that account we often miss out. What was the king doing? Now some people will say it wasn't real fasting. But the king basically refused to eat. And the king on top of that refused any form of entertainment. And you sometimes wonder, could it be a thing where he was led to do that because someone needed to be fasting so that Daniel could be protected? I'm not saying it was the case. I'm not saying it was the case because these guys had been protected before by God and God will protect you. 
But I think it's just interesting that the king refused to eat. And what came out of that whole experience was what? Angelic activity. Because the king was amazed. He went to check out, is Daniel okay? Is Daniel okay? And Daniel basically said, the Lord, my God, sent an angel to shut up the lion's mouth. Could it be that when you fast, angels are being sent to protect you? When you have a lifestyle of fasting, could it be? So if you want to read that, you can read it in Daniel chapter 6, okay? One of the things that fasting does, it helps you to break the power of habitual sin. Maybe you've got a habit and you find it very difficult to get rid of this habit. Try fasting. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6, it says, When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel in Mizpah. So in the context of their fasting, they also confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. I want to encourage you, if you've got some kind of bondage that you are in, go on a fast to break that particular thing. Amen? Whatever it is. You know Smith Wigglesworth? He used to struggle with his temper. I don't know how many of you know that. He used to struggle with his temper. At, at a certain point, he basically said to his wife, I'm going to go into my closet and I'm going to be praying and I'm going to be fasting until I've dealt with this thing. And by the time he came out of his closet, came out of his closet as in the closet he was praying in. And so on. the time he came out, guess what happened? Temper gone. Some of you struggle with those types of things. There's power when you fast. Amen? I don't know what habits you have that you want to break, but I want to encourage you to use fasting to do so. All right? There's a lady called Jess Connell. She writes quite a bit in terms of mothers and fasting because she hadn't seen material on this and she thought, you know what, we need to actually equip moms around this because often it's difficult because they're nursing moms and this and this is happening. But one of the things she writes about, she, she says that one of the things fasting does is reduce the power of self. When we she, she says, when we choose to exercise self-control over our physical bodies by fasting, we're choosing to deny ourselves a very physical and natural longing of our human body in order to, for a time, turn to the Lord alone for sustaining strength. That is why it is called a spiritual discipline. As we fight the pull of self, we grow in our ability to master rather than be mastered by the desire of our bodies. So in the same way that you're disciplining yourself to say, I am not going to eat that food, God, you are my strength. Yes, I would naturally look to food for comfort because I'm feeling lonely, because I'm feeling upset, and I'm feeling sorry for myself. Okay, those of you who um, like comfort eating, you know, that kind of thing, Right? But you're now saying, God, I'm going to you. You are my fortress. You are my strong tower. Amen? That discipline of doing that, do you know what it does to you in your life? If you've got other habits you've been trying to break, you find that afterwards it's easier to say no to those things. Amen? Okay? Very important. Fasting is also good in times of divine direction and release into ministry. 
That's why often before we are ordaining people, we might encourage them and say, go on a fast. In Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, it says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And we see this as a bit of a pattern in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 9, verse 9, do you remember when Paul, he was called Saul at the time, when he had the Damascus Road experience, and then he was blind. Do you remember that? It says, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So he fasted for those particular three days. And I believe that in that period, although he lost his physical sight, he also gained spiritual sight. Amen? During that time. I want to encourage you, during times of fasting, sometimes it's good to almost go blind on certain things. To not watch certain things you would ordinarily watch. Amen? To make a covenant with your eyes and to say, during this period, I'm dedicating it to just this. It's not always easy. Sometimes the times when it's easiest to have extended fasts is also the time when there are lots of soccer matches. Right? So for me, while I was fasting, I was still watching all those New Year's matches and all those Boxing Day matches, etc. Okay? Maybe one day when I'm a spiritual giant, I'll also give that up during my fast. But the point I'm making is make a covenant with your eyes and say to yourself, there's certain things I will not see so that I may gain spiritual sight. Amen. Okay. In Acts chapter 14, verse 23, it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. This doesn't always have to be an official thing. You might have a time where I might come to you and I might say, can you run this department, please? Or can you do this and this, please? And between you and God, you just know that, you know what? Before I get started, I'm going to go on a fast and consecrate myself to the Lord. Amen? Some of you are starting new businesses and you're launching out. I want to encourage you, go on an extended fast before you launch out. Watch the power. There's power in what you do at the start of something. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you right now, when you're launching a business, you might decide, you know what? I'm going to sow this seed financially. And while I'm also doing that, I'm also going to be fasting. Watch this space. When you then launch it, it's at another level. Amen. Okay? There's a link between your fasting and spiritual authority. Please note, I'm not talking about the believer's authority. The believer's authority is authority we all have to cast out demons, for example. When I'm talking about spiritual authority, I'm talking about authority you have in a region. Authority you have in an industry. How many of you know that there's some people who've got more authority than other people in an industry? You know what I'm talking about. How many of you know that there's some people, they just go into a particular region and they cough and demons flee? You know what I'm talking about, right? They enter a particular region and doors just open for them. There are angels working on their behalf. Principalities in that region cannot resist that particular individual. That's what I mean when I'm talking about spiritual authority. 
I believe that there's a link between times of humbling ourselves before the Lord in fasting and our growth in spiritual authority that God has assigned to us. In Luke chapter 1, verse 15, we see this with John the Baptist, right? It says, for he will, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. We're talking about kingdom greatness, aren't we? He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He, is, he might not have been great in the sight of people, but he was great in the sight of the Lord, and that's what counts. I don't know about you, I want to be great in the sight of the Lord, amen? And says, he is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Isn't that powerful? Now he was a Nazarite, and with the Nazarite, they had a code in terms of eating, drinking, etc. But I believe that this was not just a natural, weird thing, legalistic thing about this individual. I believe that there was power in that. The fact that he abstained from certain things, amen? Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 2 and verse 11. Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the devil left him, and what happened? Angels came and attended to him. And it says that when he went now to preach, he went to preach in the power of the Spirit. Amen? There was another level functioning in him. There was another level. After that period of fasting. Another spiritual benefit of fasting is obedience. It helps us to be obedient in other areas. I've touched on this before. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian, he said, Jesus takes it for granted that his disciples will observe the pious custom of fasting. Strict exercise of self-control is an essential feature of the Christian's life. Such customs have only one purpose— to make the disciples more ready and cheerful to accomplish those things which God would have done. In other words, it helps you when it comes to obedience. Consecration. Consecration. Consecration is to do with being completely dedicated to the Lord. Right now in this room, many of us are born again. Many of us, we know we are going to heaven. But how many of you know that there are different degrees of consecration? For some of you, it's a Sunday thing. For some of you, if we say, let's go out and make disciples and start discipleship groups, some of you will be like, this is core to Christianity. I'm running, I'm doing it. This is what I'm doing, and I'm praying about it already. Others will be like, oh, that's for the radical Christians. There are different levels of consecration. And when you fast, it helps you in your consecration before the Lord. Are you hearing me? What, what do I mean by this? Let me give you this quote by John Wesley. You all know John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, extremely radical Christian, all right? He says, fasting is an help to prayer. Excuse the old English, okay? Particularly when we set apart larger portions of time for private prayer. Then especially it is that God is often pleased to lift up the souls of his servants above all the things of the earth and sometimes to wrap them up, as it were, into the third heaven. And it is chiefly, as it is an help to prayer, that it has so frequently been found a means in the hand of God of confirming and increasing not one virtue, not chastity only, as some have idly imagined, without any ground either from scripture, reason, or experience, but also seriousness of spirit, earnestness, sensibility, and tenderness of conscience, deadness to the world, and consequently, the love of God and every holy and heavenly affection. Isn't that powerful? 
He's basically saying when you have a fasted life, when you fast from time to time, it helps you in terms of being sensitive to the spirit and it helps you in your other spiritual disciplines. Isn't that powerful? I don't know about you, but I want to be that type of Christian. I want to be that type of Christian. Next, next benefit is spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger. There's a guy called Wesley Jewell. Some of you might know him, a great missionary, heart for missions. He said, fasting can deepen hunger for God to work. Spiritual hunger and fasting have a reciprocal power. Each deepens and strengthens the other. Each makes the other more effective. When your spiritual hunger becomes very deep, you may even lose the desire for food. All the most intense forms of prevailing prayer can be deepened, clarified, and greatly empowered by fasting. Isn't that powerful? So fasting acts like a catalyst in assisting other spiritual disciplines. Those of you who studied chemistry or biology, you'll know what a catalyst does, right? A catalyst is a substance that increases the rate of chemical reaction without itself undergoing any changes. Not so, right? That's a catalyst. It speeds up chemical reactions, but it itself doesn't change. And fasting is like that. Sometimes we use it when we're talking about a person or a thing. So we might say, the president's speech was a catalyst for much debate in our society concerning A, B, C, D. Fasting acts as a catalyst. When we fast, other things are speeded up in our lives. This is so powerful. When we fast, other things are speeded up in our lives. Those prayers that you had been praying, you see that they're more powerful and there's more happening in the spirit realm when you're now praying. Amen? That's why in times of fasting, think very carefully about what you're going to do during the fast. Because the things that you do during the fast end up having high impact. Okay? Now, as I land this message, let me just talk practically about what fasting looks like and what a fast can look like. There are different ways in which one can fast. And these will manifest either as individual fasts, where you're doing it by yourself or in your own household, or proclaimed fasts, where a leader of a group will say, this is how we're going to fast, and this is what we're going to fast about. Amen? All right. Now I want to list some of these. The first is the normal fast, what we typically call a normal fast, and that's basically no food and then water only. That's a normal fast. So if someone says, I went on a normal fast for three days, basically they didn't eat any solid food for three days and they just drank water. That's a normal fast, right? Then you have an absolute fast or what's sometimes known as a dry fast. And that's where someone fasts and during that time there's no food and there's no water, no form of liquid. That's an absolute fast or a dry fast, okay? Third, you have partial fasts. Partial fasts. This is fasting certain meals of the day or abstaining from certain kinds of foods. So you might find someone says, you know what, for the next week I'm going on a partial fast and I'll only drink water and juice and just have soup. And this is someone who really loves their meat. 
And so for them, that's a big thing. So don't look down on it and say like, ah, soup. What type of soup is that that you're having? It seems, it seems it's got a lot of chunky bits in it, okay? That's an example of a partial fast. A partial fast is also when you are stopping your fast, right, quite regularly. So it's almost intermittent. You know, sometimes when people will say, I'm going for a fast six to six, okay? So they fast during the day, and then they break their fast at night. And just be careful of those ones, because sometimes what happens is people don't eat all day, and then when they break their fast in the evening, what do they do? They make up for the two meals that they had skipped, okay? Um, and that's not very healthy, all right? But so we also have partial fasts that are like that, okay? You can also do um, what the Jewish people do. When they would say, we're proclaiming a full day fast, like Yom Kippur, and what they would do is they would fast from 6 p.m., right? And they'll fast through the night, and then they'll break the fast the following 6 p.m. or sunset. Does that make sense? Right? And you've got certain people like Alma Towns, he likes to fast that way. If he's doing a day fast, he likes to fast that way. And he says there's something powerful about night fasting when you fast through the night in that particular way. That's another form of fasting. Is everyone following? Is this helping you? All right? Um, so the Daniel fast is a type of partial fast, isn't it? Okay? So generally speaking, certain foods or drinks such as processed foods, animal products, or caffeine are eliminated from your, from your diet for a set period. That's what happens with a partial fast. You also have juice fasts. Those can be quite nice. Okay? This is where you only drink fruit and vegetable juices. And just as a quick suggestion, and you'll see this in my notes, I'm not going to go into all the detail, but cranberry juice is particularly good, okay? Some of you with a medical background, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Um, some of the benefits of cranberry juice, it may help fight age-related damage, improvement of heart health, okay? Treating or preventing urinary tract infection, okay? It stops bacteria from spreading on your urinary, urinary tract. Uh, it supports your digestive health. Okay, so that's a good juice to, to have. have. Uh, it supports postmenopausal health. Okay, um, it's a strong source of vitamin C and E. Okay, so try and study. I've studied a few of the benefits. Apple juice is also good. Obviously, apples are great, but apple juice is also good uh, when it comes to things like cleansing the liver, preventing asthma, rehydrating, and so on. Right. Um, when we talk about types of fasts, you have a corporate fast. That's a fast that is proclaimed, okay? Um, I've mentioned to you the Jewish fasts, all right? And uh, you can see in Leviticus chapter 23 an example of a Jewish fast. I also want to just say it's good to also live a fasted life. What is that? A fasted life. Um, a fasted life can manifest in a number of ways. For some people... They've got a certain day of the week where they fast, just to keep that discipline going, all right? And they might say, you know what, I fast on such and such a day. Some people will link their fasting on a weekly basis or monthly basis to a particular event. So remember, in the past in this church, on Ignite Friday, we also say that's a day of fasting, right? So that's an example of a fasted life. Sometimes you can also live a fasted life where you say, you know what, whenever there's an extreme prayer request, that comes my way, and this is needed or that is needed, 
I will fast for people or for situations. So you might find, for, for example, each time your kids are about to start a new term, Okay, maybe this is relevant like right now, okay? Uh, you might decide, you know what? I'm going to actually go on a fast as they go into their new term and I'm going to pray for their term, right? And that's a fasted lifestyle that you might have. Amen? Okay. What are some of the physical benefits of fasting? Breaking of addictions? Weight loss? Anytime you reduce your calorie intake, you lose weight, don't you? But here's the thing. Don't go into bad eating habits straight afterwards because you'll just gain even more. And when you gain it, it comes as fat, not muscle. So you must still be training, okay? Right? Um, another physical benefit of fasting is detoxing. Detoxing. Okay? Another physical benefit is your brain functioning. You know, there are certain animal studies that show that fasting could improve brain function, increase nerve cell synthesis, okay? And protect against neurodegenerative conditions such as Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's. Okay? Physical benefits of fasting, longevity and anti-aging. In one study... Rats that fasted every other day experienced a delayed rate of aging and lived 83% longer than rats that didn't fast. And you can see in my notes my source there. They didn't do that same experiment on human beings, okay? But with the rats, that's what happened. <laughs> Finally, some guidelines for fasting. Guidelines for fasting. Number one, pre-decide why you're fasting. Always have a reason for fasting. Don't just fast for the sake of it, all right? Pre-decide, why am I going on this fast? And when you come up with goals for the fasting, make sure they're not too many goals. Make sure they're not too many goals. Don't have like a million and one things you're fasting about. Just have maybe two things. And you say, you know what? I'm going on a fast. I'm fasting for breakthrough that my children really come to a place of having a revelation of Jesus Christ this year for themselves. And you say, that's what I'm doing. This, I'm going on a fast for that. Oh, I'm fasting for my three friends who are in this situation. They, all three of them are in this situation, and I'm going to go on a fast for them. It's powerful when you fast for people, hey? No gain for yourself, but you're fasting for other people, okay? So pre-decide why you're fasting. Number two, Decide on the type of fast and duration. Say to yourself, is it going to be a five-day liquid fast? Is it going to be a three-day fast? Not based on what other people are doing, but based on where you are at when it comes to this thing of fasting. So if you've never fasted before, just start off by skipping a couple of meals. Amen? If you've only fasted for a day, say to yourself, you know what? I want to stretch it. The next time I fast, I'm going to go for two days. Amen? If you've only fasted for five days, say, you know what, next time it'll be seven days. And then you build up and you build up and you build up. But don't read a book by someone and then think like, you know, overnight I'll, I'll, have, I'll have the grace that they have. Amen. So some common duration of fasts. There's a one-day fast. There's a three-day fast. They're extended fasts. Seven days, 14 days, 21 days, 40 days. Okay. So decide on the type of fast and the duration. Number three, pre-decide how much time you will dedicate to prayer, Bible reading, and spiritual nourishment each day. 
So let's say you are on a fast, but you're also working. You might decide that, you know what? Before I go to work, I'll spend 30 minutes in prayer or an hour in prayer. And then I'll use my lunch breaks for prayer. And then in the evening, I'll have another hour. That's already three hours of prayer, hey? If you decide to split it into 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, that's already an hour and a half of prayer during the time of your fasting. It's powerful when you split it up because we are working people, we are busy with all sorts of other things. Amen. Don't try to pack in all your prayer just into a certain period, right? Sometimes you can actually say, you know what, if I want to get lots of prayer done, let me, exp let me do it this way. You might decide, let me pray in the morning, then during my lunch break, I'll have a time of reading the word, and then I'll pray in the evening. Amen? You might also be specific about what you'll do during those times. You might say, in the morning, it'll be repentance and thanksgiving. In the afternoon, I'll get into the word, and I will declare for my breakthrough. And then in the evening, I'll do worship and some more declarations. Amen? Whenever you want to build habits in your life, it's so powerful when you come up with a routine and you actually have specific things that you already know. In this next appointment I have with the Lord, this is what I'm going to be doing. Amen. When you plan your times, it's extremely powerful. Okay. Set aside, number four, set aside specific appointments with yourself and God, which is what I was talking about, where you split up your time. Number five, incorporate repentance during your fasting. In Psalm 66, verse 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I want God to hear my prayers. Amen. Number six, understand how your body works on different days. What do I mean by that? Your fast is easier when you avoid certain foods, for example, like sugar or caffeine, okay? Because it helps you when it comes to things like nausea, when it comes to things like headaches, and that's why herbal tea is fine. If you're going on a thing, on a fast, where you're including liquids, other liquids beyond water, don't go and have a whole lot of caffeinated things, right? General guideline encouraging you, go for herbal teas rather. Amen. Okay? As you prepare for your fast, especially if it's an extended fast, start cutting down on foods, certain foods. Don't go into a thing where you've been eating like a glutton and then the next day you're starting an extended fast. You're just going to make the fast more difficult, okay? The day before the fast, start just eating fruits and vegetables and so on because you have to understand what your stomach lining is like and what it's used to. And that's also important when it comes to breaking the fast, by the way. General guideline, if you haven't been eating for a number of days, don't go straight into big, hectic, oily, you know what. Okay? Break your fast. If you're like me, if I just have toast, my stomach is already feeling sore. I literally, after an extended fast, I'll literally have to have yogurt the first time I eat. Right? And then afterwards, you break into your toast and you break into other foods. Okay? Otherwise, you just affect yourself and you get sick. So how you break your fast is very important. Number seven, make yourself accountable to someone. Make yourself accountable to someone. That's why sometimes it's nice fasting the same time as your prayer partner, isn't it? Right? And say, let's go on a fasting challenge. So that when you're starting to feel discouraged, when you haven't yet experienced that breakthrough, 
The other person is like, oh, my breakthrough has just come. And then you also push in the spirit. And then finally, number eight, during this fast, make a decision concerning your next fast. Because you are on a high spiritually, make a decision while you are on your current fast when you are going to have your next one. Are you following? Because if you don't, what happens is you find that there's a long period now before you end up fasting again. Okay? So, try to also match your fasting with your current responsibilities. Don't go on these extended fasts when it's a very busy time at work. All right? Rather say to yourself, what's the best time period for me to go on this type of fast when I'm not too busy here? Maybe the kids are on holiday or maybe they're at school so they don't disturb you. I don't know. But try to match your fast with your general lifestyle. Amen? I'm going to close with a quote by Bill Bright. Some of you know Bill Bright, the guy who was the founder of Campus Crusade. He said, fasting with a pure heart and motives, I've discovered, brings personal revival and adds power to our prayers. Personal revival occurs because fasting is an act of humility. Fasting gives opportunity for deeper humility as we recognize our sins, repent, receive God's forgiveness, and experience his cleansing of our soul and spirit. Fasting also demonstrates our love for God and our full confidence in his faithfulness. Amen. Let's pray. Maybe you are here this morning and you're in a space where you're saying, Pastor, I don't yet know the Lord. Pastor, you're talking about fasting and praying, but I'm going to need lots of help. I need the Holy Spirit in me to generate my spirit, to regenerate my spirit. If you are here this morning and you're in a space where you want to give your heart completely to the Lord Jesus, while every head is bowed and every eye closed, please lift your hand up. Is there anyone here this morning? Anyone here? Anyone here? Maybe you're in a space where you're saying, Pastor, I want to go to my next level of fasting. I receive what you're saying to us this morning, and I know it's something I need to do, but I desire to go to my next level. Just stand where you are. I want to pray for us as a congregation. If you're saying, I want to go deeper into this thing we're calling fasting, stand where you are. I want to pray for you maybe you're in a space where you might already be a strong faster but you want to make your fasting more effective you want to go to a dimension of fasting where you fast with the right heart you want to go to a dimension of fasting where you experience the full reward and benefit of it Father, you see your people this morning. I ask you, Lord, to come now and release your grace on us so that we would be a church of prayer and fasting. That where it's been difficult, Lord God, that there's an ease that comes in. Maybe there are difficulties in the discipline, but sometimes, Lord, it's a difficulty because of our lifestyle and our busyness. And it's so difficult to see how we can incorporate it. 
So I ask you, Lord, to just come with your grace now. Release your grace in our midst and help us, Lord, to be a fasting people. Take us to new dimensions of fasting and give us a revelation of how to do it, Lord, in a manner that is effective and in a manner that glorifies you. Father, I pray for those who want to engage in fasting to break habits, that you would empower them even right now. Father, I pray for those who are about to go on fasting for breakthrough. And I pray, Father, that you would send angels to work on their behalf, Lord, to accelerate things in their lives. God, I pray for those who've experienced delays and have come to the end of themselves and are now saying, you know what, God, I need you. I cannot do it in my own strength. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would come and you would work on their behalf, Lord. So we surrender to you as a church, Lord, and we ask that you would forgive us where we've fasted for the wrong reasons. Forgive us, Father, where we've sought the recognition from man, where we've thought we can twist your arms so you can do things, and we've tried to manipulate you through our fasting. We surrender to you and we consecrate ourselves to you, Lord, and we declare that we'll be a church where prayer and fasting is normal. Release your grace for this, we ask, in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen. I want to bless you as your year starts. Father God, you know what the people of God are believing for. May you touch them right now, Lord God. You know the promises that they are holding onto. Touch them, Father God. And I thank you that this will be a year where they'll experience full inheritance as kingdom people. And I bless them right now with a Father's blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.